Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. And those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. The writer here tells us that God is sovereignty, sovereign. And that means, if you're taking notes, God is God. The sovereignty of God is not just one in a long list of attributes of God, like omniscience or omnipotent or infitude, which means that God knows no boundaries. Faithfulness, holiness, wisdom, all of these attributes flow out of his sovereignty. To say that God is sovereign means he does whatever he pleases in verse 3. You don't have to like it, but it's just the way it is. Because God is sovereign, there's no arguing with God. It's not our place to question or interrogate God. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's not our place to question God or how God uses someone or how God puts someone up and puts another down. Or God chooses to use an individual here and another individual there. That's not for us to question. God is God, and he does whatever he pleases. That's what makes him God. Are you listening? He does whatever he pleases. Raises up one, puts down another, because he is God. He has that right. Does whatever he wishes. That's sovereignty. The idols of the world are silver and gold. The work of man's hands, Dagon, is the work of man's hands. He has eyes, but he can't see what what, what you're going through. Ears, but can't hear your prayer. Hands, but can't reach out and touch. No help. You have to help him. Noses, but they don't smell. Feet, but they can't come and help you. They can't speak or mutter. No wisdom comes from their mouth. In verse 8, those who make them in Psalm 115, memory verse, Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Listen, this is how it works. works. You become, listen, you become, listen, you become like what you worship. I'm going to thank you for people. You become like what you worship. You worship Lady Gaga? You're going to start looking weird. I'm just keeping it 100. That's all. You, you, I'm, that's 1,000. <laughs> I'm keeping it 1,000. 
You worship uh, ZZ Top or what? Is it a ZZ? Is it a ZZ Top? It was like hard rocker guys with like all the hair and the makeup and all that. Kiss them too. But there's a ZZ and there's ZZ Top. Okay. All right, I thought y'all were like telling me it wasn't. Stop talking to me, I'm preaching. <laughs> if you worship, <laughs> it's out of control. If you worship those people, you're going like those people, you're going to look scary. Because they look scary. I don't care what nobody says, they look scary. You worship Michael Jackson. Now, he's going on now, but still, if you worship my folks are still doing it. They're still worshiping Elvis. That man been gone for years. Am I right about it? You worship Michael Jackson? You going to start wearing pleather red jackets? Walking backward? And saying, woo-hoo-hoo. I'm just working here. I'm trying to get you to understand. You become like what you worship. If you worship your people, you know, you notice our culture, like we're really into animals nowadays. Have you noticed? It's like really, a, it's kind of feeling a little creepy. And, and I, I have an animal. I love dogs. I mean, I love dogs. I have a dog. You guys know. Come by my office and you'll know. I have a, I have a dog and he's very present. He's a very present help in a time of need. <laughs> yeah, he is. And uh, I, no problems. I love animals. But, you know, we shouldn't be worshiping these things. You know, nowadays it feels like we just, we, we want to gravitate and worship anything but God. But God. Anything. But God. You will become like the thing you worship. So if you worship Jesus then you become like Jesus. And you will have the fragrance of Christ. Right? 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aromas of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. We diffuse the fragrance of Christ when you worship him. So in verses 4 and 5, Dagon has been de-handed and de-headed, and now these pagan priests have a theological problem, and it's this. Is this God of Israel greater than our God? Their answer is, nah, let's just develop a new tradition. Amazing, instead of the Philistines recognizing that there's something wrong, that there's something supernatural happening here, instead of them turning away from a God that obviously can't help them and has never done anything good for them, They create another tradition and attach it to approaching their God. Verse 5 is the new tradition. When you come into the house of Dagon, you never step on the threshold. You jump across it. 
verse 6 tells us, by the hand of the Lord, but the hand of the Lord was heavy and angry on the people of Ashdod, and God ravaged them and struck them with tumors. Now, when you close your ears to God, listen. When you close your ears to God, God will find another way to speak. They didn't get the message when God struck, them, struck down Dagon. God says, well, let's take it up a notch. God struck them with tumors. Now, there's all kinds of speculation as to what these tumors were. Old school commentators describe them as hemorrhoids. Deuteronomy 28 talks about emrods, which were a kind of hemorrhoid. M-E, pardon me, E-M-E-R-O-D-S, emrods, Deuteronomy 28. That's a kind of hemorrhoid. New commentators describe them as these tumors as signs of like the bubonic plague. According to the rabbins, it was the swelling of the inward parts. It was beating Dagon upon his own dunghill and smiting his worshipers on the hinder parts, giving them like a spanking to a child. They called it paying their posterior. I like that. Next time you give a child spanking, just tell them you're paying their posterior. And then there's a whole school of thinking that this was associated with the bubonic plague. The term bubonic plague comes from the Greek word meaning groin. Swollen lymph nodes, or I think it's pronounced buboes, B-U-B-O-E-S. Is that correct? Buboes? Have you heard of that? Is it buboes? Buboes. You've heard of it, Lindsay? Okay. And, and that's the swollen lymph node. And they occur in the armpits or the groin area. Bubonic plague, along with septicemia plague, comes from the bacteria Yersinia. Yersinia. Y-E-S-E-R-N-I-A pestis. That's the bacteria. That's the name of the bacteria that invades the human body and attacks the lymphatic system. This same bacteria is believed to be the cause of the black death that swept through Europe in the 14th century that killed an estimated 25 million people. The Septuagint adds to this verse to verse 6, in the cities and the fields and all the regions burst up and mice were produced. Swellings occurred in their secret parts a reference to the groin, and was contagious, killing many. So listen, the reason many believe that this has to do with rats and the bubonic plague is because when they finally sent the ark back, they sent five golden images of rats. Remember? Come the next time we're here. And I'll tell you more. So... There are other gross, listen, absolutely gross understandings of what's happening here as it relates to these tumors. Um, For many years, I thought these tumors were simply hemorrhoids. But now, actually, I think, and there are many good Bible scholars who, who, who believe either way, that they are hemorrhoids, 
um, or that, that, that it's more like a, a plague, like the bubonic plague. And scholars are on both ends as to uh, which one it is. Uh, to tell you the truth, it doesn't matter. Uh, tumors or boils, bubonic plague or not, the reality is it's not good. Amen. Verse 7, they're thinking. Ever since the ark, look at verse 7. Ever since the ark came to Ashdod, strange things have happened. People have been sick. Dagon can't stand up. There's been an increase in toilet tissue. And um, an increase in sales and preparation H. Something is wrong. People are breaking out in tumors in their private parts, and it's painful in your private parts, so let's get rid of this thing. Verse 8 tells us they gather together a committee. I do not know why. Why do you need a committee to figure this out? If it needs to go, it needs to go. Do you need a group of people to tell you this needs to go? What's wrong with you people? They gather a committee, and they said, let's send it to our friends in Gath. I'm sure they'll appreciate some of this action. Well, when it got to Gath, in verse 8, God's hand was against them. God did the same thing. He struck them with tumors, balls, hemorrhoids, plague, you, whatever you want. Pain in the, in the hinder parts. Look at verse, verse, did I read verse 9 yet? Look at verse 9. Let's read through verse 12. I'll wrap it up. So it was. After they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. Nice friends. And so it was, pardon me, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They have brought the ark of God uh, of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and they gathered together all the lords of the Philistines, another committee, and and, and said, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the cities. The hand of God was very heavy there, and the men who did not die were stricken with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Before you shut your Bibles, notice verse 10 tells us, they said, well, let's just send it to Ekron. Are you getting the impression, are you getting this, that the ark is like a hot potato? And it's like burning everyone wherever it stayed. The goal of a hot potato is not to be holding it when the music stops. The Akronites say, and I, I love what they say. I mean, they are like yelling fearful. They have set the ark of God here to kill us. They are not our friends. The Akronites said, listen, send the ark away anywhere but here. Now, if the Akronites would have repented and turned to the Lord, the ark would have become a blessing to them instead of a curse. And the same is true concerning Jesus on the cross. Listen. It can be the greatest blessing you ever experience or the greatest witness of God's judgment you ever experience. If you submit and surrender, blessings. If you refuse God, judgment. And don't forget this. No intensity of unbelief can dismiss God. Listen. No intensity of unbelief can dismiss God. Miss God. 
No amount of skepticism can change his truth. That's important for you to remember when you're talking to people who want to argue the scriptures. Want to argue and debate. No amount of skepticism can change his truth. No ignoring of God can deter his wrath. People have the right to reject God, but God can overrule them. Faith has its rewards and unbelief its consequences. You can ignore and even oppose God, but everyone has to answer to God eventually. And that's exactly what the Philistines learned. They had to answer to him. Next time in chapter 6, read this in your own time, the Philistines have had enough. They decide to send the ark of God back to Israel. They don't know how to handle the ark, so they put it on a cart driven by two cows. Listen, driven by two cows with no driver. And they send the cows off to see what direction they will go. If they go in the direction of Israel, the Philistines will know that they were being judged by God. But if they go in a different direction, then they'll think that it was consequence. All of the tumors and the judgment and all of these things. The cows take off walking and they go right to the camp of Israel. Interesting, the Philistines don't know the true God, but cows do. (laughs) Fascinating. God's hurting hand falls upon these people and they refuse to repent. Instead of repenting and turning to God and waiting for healing, they rebel and they push him away because Dagon had never hurt, but Dagon had never helped them either. False gods can never help. Truth is, when trouble comes knocking on your door, when finances are stretched, when cancer or sickness strike your family, call out to those gods. Call on Dagon and see if he shows up. It's a very important principle here in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to let y'all go. It's a very important principle here in 1 Samuel 5, and here it is, listen. Dagon cannot stand in the presence of God. Dagon, can more than two people say amen? Amen. Dagon represents the idolatry that exists in every person's heart. And two gods cannot dwell in the same temple at the same time. So then the question is, how do you get rid of that other god? Well, you do what they did. Listen, this is the most important part of my sermon, I think. What do you do to get rid of the other god? You do what they did. You bring the ark of God into the temple and all the Dagons will fall. What are you talking about, Willis? It's simple. Allow God access into your temple. The only thing that the gods of this world can do for you is take up space in your heart. The way to get the Dagons out of your life is don't deal with them at all. Don't struggle with it. Don't, don't struggle with it. Whatever it is, don't struggle with it. Isn't that a different message than what the world is saying? The world is saying, well, now you need to go to counseling. You need to deal with it. For real. For real. Is it that easy? (laughs) I wish. All you'll be doing is paying a lot of money and talking about it endlessly. The way to deal with the Dagons, whatever it 
is. You don't struggle with it. You don't fight with it. You just allow the power and the presence of the ark of the Lord to come in and that will drive out the Dagons. They go. They have to go. You drive out the Dagons with praise and worship. You drive out the Dagons by just coming to church and fellowship with other believers. You drive out the Dagons by getting involved in women's Bible study and a men's Bible study and getting involved in church. It don't have to be this church. It don't have to be this church. Whatever church the Lord leads you to go to, wherever that might be. I love it that you're here. Praise the Lord. But if you can't get victory over the Dagons by being here, well, then you need to be where you can get victory. Because you'll get victory over the Dagons by fellowshipping. You'll get victory over the Dagons by praise and worship and, and, and giving thanks to God and fellowshipping with other Christians. Drive out Dagon by allowing the Lord to have more of your heart. And I guarantee you the Dagons will fall right and left. Think about it. I'll wait while you clap your hands. Think about it. We've been talking about it. I'm coming in for a landing. We've been talking, I've said that three times now. We've been talking about it, haven't we? About light and darkness, haven't we? And the key to handle the darkness is not to fight with the darkness. The key to handle the darkness is to turn on the light. And when you walk into a dark room, you don't yell at darkness. You don't karate chop the darkness and punch and swing at the darkness. You just go over and you switch and you turn on the light. The same is true of spiritual darkness. You don't focus on it because the more I'm trying to help you. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. This is how you handle it. You don't focus on it. You don't struggle with it. You don't fight with it. You don't focus on sin because the more you focus on sin, the more you sin. If I say, if I say, Pastor Matt, do not think about purple elephants. What do you think about right now? Purple elephants. If you focus on it and you're thinking about it and you're always thinking about it and focusing. I don't care what it is. Internet pornography, some bad relationship, some sin that you're involved in, it does not matter. You don't fight with it. You don't focus on it. You don't think about it. What you do is you come to church. You worship God. Set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what you do. I guarantee you, if you do that, you're like, wow, I forgot about it. I'm just worshiping the Lord. I'm just going to church and I'm fellowshipping. And man, I'm not thinking about purple elephants. <laughs> I'm just worshiping God. Change will happen when you put your eyes on the Lord. Second Corinthians 3 tells us just that. And we behold the Lord with open face are changed into the same image from glory to glory. 
So what is it? Whatever it is, do two things. Agree with someone in prayer about it. Leave it at the altar. And then you go and worship with your life. I beg you, brethren, sistern, present your body to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3. Focus on the Lord. Go worship. All right? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.